There's a story in Luke chapter 15. It's the story of the lost son. And it is perhaps the most tender story that Jesus ever told. It has sometimes been referred to as the pearl of the parables. And as I think about that story as Dr. Luke records it for us, I can, by an eye of faith, I can see that young man in the story. I can see him calling out to his father and saying to his father, I want to talk to you. And as a father, I can see the sparkle in that father's eyes. I can see the anticipation in that father's eyes as he waits to talk to his son. This boy is a young man. And like most young men and their fathers, there has been a probably somewhat strained relationship up to this point. There's a time in the life of every young man that conversations with their father are infrequent, shall we say. So this father, being human, loving his son, is grateful for this opportunity that the son says, Father, I want to talk to you. But the very next words out of that boy's mouth dash any hopes this father had for a meaningful discussion with his son. Because it's then that the young man tells his father that he wants his inheritance and he wants it now. He doesn't want to have to sit around and wait for the old man to die. Now I can almost hear the defiance in that young man's voice. He says, Father, I want my inheritance. I want you to give it to me. I want it now. And I see the Father. I see Him staggered by the insolence of His Son. But He's unwilling to challenge the incorrigible young man. So numbly, The father goes to where he keeps his money. He retrieves it. And he hands to his son his portion. Oh, he holds the words back. How desperately he wanted to say to him, Son, be frugal with this. How much he wanted to say, Son, don't squander this inheritance. But he knew that at this point to say that to this young boy would be just so much noise. So he didn't even waste his breath. He knew that if he said, son, don't squander it, that from his son he would get the look. And the son would ignore his warnings. So the father said nothing. I want you to visualize this. I want you with your sanctified imagination this morning, I want you to see the sadness in that father's eyes. I want you to see the tears coming down his cheeks as he watches that young boy walk down that road away from home. See the tears 
as he watches him till he's completely out of sight. A child he had held in his arms within minutes of his birth. A child he had cherished from that moment on. Disappeared. Without so much as a backward glance down the road that led to the family home. It didn't take long. It didn't take long for the stories of the young man's exploits to reach the father's ears. Hearing of his escapades and hearing of his apparent indulgences in pleasure as he was in the far country, it grieved his father even more. But that boy was having the time of his life. A pocket full of money was going to buy him all the pleasure he could ever want. He found himself surrounded by the kind of fast-moving friends he had always wished for. No more sleepy farmers and dull herdsmen. No more plain and simple female neighbors for him. No, sir. This fast life in the city, oh, it was even better than he had imagined it'd be. And then tragedy struck. He reached into his money pouch and his fingers touched the bottom. It was empty. And he couldn't believe how quickly his money had vanished. And now he wondered, what would he do? He had no skills for any worthwhile trade or occupation not only that with his money pouch empty guess what all of his newfound friends disappeared too so he's desperate for money and he responded to the news that there was a local pig farmer who had an opening for a hired hand so this lonely hopeless forlorn boy so far from home Landed him a job slopping hogs. Can you see him? Can you see him there by the pig pen? Can you see him pouring bucket after bucket of slop into that trough for those hogs? He had left a home with a pouch full of money. And now... Day after day, his spirits are sinking. He's slopping hogs. And then one morning, a light came on in his brain. Dr. Luke in the King James translation says he came to himself. Dr. Moffat in his translation says he came to his senses. So this light comes on in his brain and he comes to his senses and he says, what am I doing here? Slopping these hogs. He asked the question as if he expected the swine to answer him. And his thoughts turned toward home. And his father. The man he'd walked away from. And he realized something. He realized that his father's hired servants had a better deal than he did. 
he began to think that if he were working for his father as a hired hand, he'd eat better than this because he was wanting to fill his belly with what the swine were eating. Through all of this process, those pigs he was feeding didn't even look up from their breakfast. But that young man made a resolution. He resolved right then and there beside the hog trough that he would go to his father. And he would go back to his father and he would ask if he could just be one of the servants. Now imagine what went through his mind at that point. He had gone to his father and said, Give me your my inheritance. I want my inheritance now. He had been demanding. He had been insolent. He had been uncaring. Would his father even have him back? Would his father even listen to what he had to say? Can you imagine the anxiety he was going through? Can you imagine the trepidation in his heart as he wondered, will my father even have me now? But I see the father. One afternoon, as he had done every afternoon probably since that boy left home, I see him absently staring down the road the boy had walked down as he left. That road he had seen that son walk down alone when he left home. And this particular day as he looks down that road, as he's probably done every day as I said, off in the distance, he sees something that surprises him. It's a tiny figure coming toward the farm against the horizon. And the figure comes a little closer and the father wonders, could it be? No. But it looks like the young man's gait is a little slower. His shoulders are drooping a little bit. And then the father looks and there's no doubt. It's his boy. He's coming home. Without hesitation, the father runs out the house and heads down the road to meet his son. Can you see him? Can you use that same sanctified imagination? Can you see the father running down the robe, running down the road, robes flowing in the wind, arms outstretched? The young man sees his father coming toward him and his knees buckle. And he's wondering, what punishment is my father going to exact from me? Am I going to be whipped? And I'm going to be exiled? Am I going to be sent away? He knows his only chance for survival is pure contrition. And the boy reaches him, or the father reaches him. The boy said, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against you. I don't deserve to be your end. The father is not even listening. He's not hearing it. He told the servants, he said, you kill the fat as a calf. Put a robe on his back. Put a ring on his finger. I can almost see that father as he embraced that son. I can see those tears coming down his face. I can see him taking that son and holding his face between his hands and grinning until the boy grinned back at him. 
I hear him shouting so loud. The neighbors are hearing. The servants hear him shouting. We're going to have a party. We're going to have a celebration. We're having a feast, a family reunion. My son that was lost has been found. Why did he do it? Why did that boy wake up one day and go to the far country? It wasn't because he got up on the wrong side of the bed one morning. He didn't wake up one day and come to a deliberate conclusion and say, you know what? I think I'm going to see just what, a, what kind of big mess I can make out of my life. He was not some monstrosity. And he was also not in the least abnormal. I don't want to hurt your feelings. But he was a whole lot like you and me. He was no more eager to wreck himself than you and I are. He was not planning on life for him ending up in the hog pen slopping hogs. He didn't go into the far country because he wanted to cause his father pain. He didn't have any desire to spite his father or anybody else. He probably regretted the fact that his father took his leaving so much to heart. Probably as he walked away that day with a pouch full of money, he thought his father was a sentimental old fool for not wanting him to go. But he was not a vicious young man. He was not so vicious to deliberately want to hurt this kindly man that had nurtured him from birth. He had no desire to turn his father's hair gray before his time. No son does. They just do it. He didn't want to see the father wet his pillow with tears night after night. So why did he leave? Remember I said he was a lot like me and you, us. He went away because he was seeking to please himself. And only Himself. He went away because He thought He would be more free in that big world beyond home. And He thought that larger freedom would bring Him greater joy and a better time. He was simply determined to live His own life and live it His way. Like so many folks in our world today are. He was so intent on doing His own thing. He was so intent on pleasing Himself that He had no thought for any loss or pain that might come to Himself or might be caused to anyone else. Of course, He wounded His Father. And He wounded Him deeply. But that wasn't part of his purpose. All this young man was trying to do was to just live his life unhampered by any of the restraints that home authority might put on him. Write this down. It's on the final exam. Self-pleasing 
The desire to please self. Folks, that is the very essence of sin. And Jesus tells us that if we're going to follow Him, and we're going to live for Him, and we're going to be His disciples, we've got to be willing to deny self. Pleasing self. Selfishness. It's expensive. That man or woman today who's determined that they're going to please self is going to pay a terrible price. But the individual is not the only one that pays. If the desire to be please self is my goal, it's going to hurt me. It's going to hurt others too. No one ever sinned without wounding someone else. The desire to please self cost this son his fellowship with his father. And it cost him the joys of home. The moment that self will and pleasing self becomes the goal of any soul, that's the moment that soul breaks with God and loses all sense of God's fellowship and becomes a homeless wanderer. And to go away from God, that's always to go away from the heart's true home. Until you and I can sing with the psalmist, Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. There's nothing but disappointment and homesickness for all of us. Self-pleasing cost that son his freedom. And that's a tragic irony of the story. Because what did he go out in search of? He went out in search of his freedom. In his hour of self-will and pleasing self, he said to his father, Give me. When he came to himself and his heart was broken and he went back to his father, he said, make me as one of your hired servants. There is as much difference in that request, give me and make me, as there is in death and life. At first he said, give me. I must be free, he said. I must do as I please. And the road by which he sought his freedom led him to slavery. He joined himself to a citizen of the country that sent him to the fields to slop the hogs. Did you read the story? You've read it. It says in the story, he sent him. That's the word. The boy's will was not consulted. It was the will of someone else. He didn't go. He was sent. It's an old and constantly repeated story. You remember Samson of old? He took his fling at freedom and went down to Gaza for a holiday. And the outcome of his holiday in Gaza was fetters of 
brass and slavish grinding in the prison house. The desire to please self cost that boy because he had to start doing a mean and sordid task. He was sent to the fields to slop the hogs. What a humiliation for a young Jewish boy to have to be doing. Can you think of a more pathetic way for him to have to live his life? And we understand the full tragedy of it. When we think of the fine things he might have done. For this young Jewish boy to be in the swine pen, that's bad enough. To be in the swine pen when it was his right to be at home at the father's house is even worse. And the terrible, horrible, awful truth about self-will is not that it just sets us to tasks that are sordid and worthless, but robs us of the joy of putting our hands to tasks that are worthwhile and productive. This young man had a desire to please himself. And it actually cost him everything. The story says he spent all that he had. He was morally and spiritually bankrupt. He ended up with an empty heart and a gnawing agony that made him cry out, I perish with hunger. But he came to his senses. He came to himself. That is, when he was doing all those wild and foolish things, he was out of his mind. You see, self-will, selfishness, the desire to please self. Folks, that's moral insanity. Coming to himself, coming to his senses, meant that he recovered his sanity and he faced the facts about himself. He did something that's always wise. He looked at the truth squarely in the face. As we would say, eyeball to eyeball. He realized that he was perishing with hunger. He realized he was starving to death. And he realized he was doing so needlessly. He thought about his father's house. He thought about his father's hired help. And they had bread and despair. And he said, I'll arise and I'll reform. That's not what he said. Reformation's good, but it's not enough. He resolved he'd go to the Father. I don't need to reform. I've got to come face to face with God. This lost son, the prodigal son as he's come to be known, he's that poor soul who's flung away from his father and wasted his substance with riotous living. But He's not the only one. Every person today on the top side of God's green earth living outside the will of God is in the truest sense of the word 
a prodigal. Everyone who's not living God's kind of life. And the wisest thing that we ever do is turn our steps toward God. If someone has never started living within the will of God, then in simple trusting faith, turning their back on sin through repentance, confessing the name of Christ, and being buried in the waters of baptism for the remission of past sins, they begin to live God's kind of life, and they turn their steps toward God. And then sometimes folks have done all that, but somewhere along the way they decided to live life their way instead of God's way. And I don't know too many folks that do the really bad stuff. You know, the things like adultery, murder, robbery, and things like that. The, the, the big things that we talk about. But you see, sometimes the love of Jesus is just missing from our lives. Sometimes selfishness is apparent in our lives. Sometimes the way we treat other people is apparent that Jesus isn't living in us. When we walk away from God, like the Father in Dr. Luke's story, God our Father stands looking down that road. He's got His arms outstretched, His heart is loving, ready to welcome us to come back to Him or to come to Him. But it's up to us to turn our steps toward God.